I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing episode six, Demons of the Punjab. Directed by Jamie Childs and written by Vinay Patel. IMDb is giving this a 7.3 and Rotten Tomatoes a 94%. The story takes place in India, 1947, where the doctor and her companions arrive in the Punjab as the country is being torn apart. While Yaz attempts to discover her grandmother's hidden history, The doctor finds demons hunting the land. The critics are saying this is simultaneously an engaging time travel caper, a showcase for the BBC creature effects department, and a moving meditation on the devastating impact of the partition of India. I believe that this is our best episode of the series so far. We got to see an important part of history. We got excellent character development. And in my opinion, a great alien, finally. Here's the thing, these teaching episodes, while wonderful, are really tricky to pull off right. With exposition, where you want to give a lot of information or education, such as here, the right way is to show, not to tell. And while I liked Rosa a lot, at times it felt like someone sitting me down and saying, let me tell you all about the civil rights and what happened at that time. And there have been other moments such as that in this series. For example, the description of what antimatter is last episode. And I think that's what I was trying to say by heavy-handed when we reviewed those parts. It's not the subject matter, but how it's presented. Here, it was shown through the intimate focus of one family's story, how it impacted them, which you could translate in your mind to a wider scale. And it unfolded slowly over the course of the episode. So I had to learn it, not just hear about it. I thought that was really well done. I have to agree with you. There's so many things well done with this, from the music finally being right on par with where you are in your location, bringing you into it and keeping you into it every time they used it. And they didn't need a pop culture song to do it. Yeah, there was nothing (laughs) like that to pull you out. And it was so beautiful. Yeah, credit here. The vocals done by Shahid Abbas Khan. He is an artist who has also done vocals for the movie Tear Me Apart in 2015. To the help of the scenery, which again brought you into it. Before you move on, funny enough, this was actually filmed in Spain. It looked beautiful. I don't know how true it would be to this area of India where it's supposed to take place. Well, yeah, our ignorance might help a little bit for sure with this episode. And you mentioned the baddie was really scary and looked good. I think episode one's baddie was really scary as well. Uh, I had a huge problem once we were able to see his face with the teeth inside the skin. Kind of turned me off a little to the point where it felt a little silly. These guys looked more like warriors. I think it was partially their uniform and the armor, what looks like shoulder pads that had spikes coming down off it. They were for sure menacing. But they turn out not to be the bad guy, which is a theme that we'll discuss in a second for Chibnall's Doctor Who era. Which, funny enough, this is the first episode, I believe, this season that isn't written by Chibnall. 
Yeah, I was going to get to that later. If you think that's what's making a difference, I really appreciated the storytelling. It's not that there weren't good ideas and themes being looked at in the other episodes. It always felt like either things weren't coming together right, or the pacing was a little off, or the exposition was heavy-handed. I thought we eliminated most of those problems here. Now, Chibnall could have been involved in the episode, but he's not credited on it. The only writer is listed as Vinay Patel, who is a BAFTA-nominated writer. She's done Murdered by My Father and The Good Karma Hospital, among other things. I think Chibnall had to be involved a little bit, at least, because it did still have the same feel as the rest of the season. It didn't like stand out as, oh my God, this is totally old school Doctor Who, or man, this is even more different. Yes, and he does have somewhat of a theme. We've been looking for that all season so far, right? Are we going to have aliens, enemies that reoccur, these important mysteries? Will we get to learn what they are about? So far, the biggest stamp we can see that he's put on it is by way of his monsters, quote unquote. And this quote comes from Digital Spy. Having passed the halfway mark on series 11, it's clear that Chibnall's Who is less about external threats and more about the demons inside ourselves. This reoccurring theme of the monsters revealed being misunderstood, not acting out of malice, while the real enemies <laughs> have been people and what's inside of us. In Rosa, it was prejudice. In Arachnids in the UK, a lust for power. And the Saranga conundrum, self-doubt. Perhaps as part of the plan to make the series accessible to a wider audience, it's now less about sci-fi and more about human nature. In this episode, affirming the new narrative approach, these are not the true monsters. They're aliens with compassion, seeking the unacknowledged dead across time and space. The real villain is an angry and confused man lashing out at his loved ones. There's also the theme of having to observe history but not change anything, exactly as we saw in Rosa. So what do you think about that? I mean, I think that there are creatures, characters that we've met who are bad <laughs> and we might come back around to them being bad and that having an impact. But I really enjoyed not just having the alien be a fairly decent character, but being so fleshed out in what they were trying to accomplish. Well, they used to be bad. They were assassins. Yeah. Until their planet was destroyed and they had a new hope on life. It was very similar to the Christmas episode last year. Do you remember that one? The testimony? Mm -hmm. Yeah, people have been talking about that. But it was different enough for me. I, I wasn't bothered at all. Somebody said the big difference there was that they were recording deaths of well-known people, whereas the Thajarians are honoring the unwitnessed dead. And mm. I thought that was really powerful that they were kind of present for these incredibly difficult moments and they were holding that tragedy in their memories forever so that it's not forgotten. And others had said that was particularly impactful given that this episode aired on Remembrance Sunday, which is not something that we celebrate here in the U.S. It's a United Kingdom Day to commemorate military and civilian service members. But it was our Veterans Day. Yes, it was on Sunday, but the observed date was Monday. Now, Remembrance Sunday is marking Armistice Day, which is, of course, the anniversary of the end of World War I. And that's why we saw the image of the poppies which occurred a couple of times in this episode, as they are usually worn to commemorate those who fell in the First World War. Back to the bad guys, what I really enjoyed, and I don't think we get this much with Doctor Who, even in past Doctor Whos, thinking that the bad guys are the aliens, but it ends up being a human, not just any human, a brother, 
was a nice surprise for me in this episode. No, I don't mean I was actually surprised when, we, when it was revealed. We did kind of figure it out midway through. But in the beginning, we thought we were hunting the bad guys. Then we learned they weren't the bad guys. And there was a moment there where I was like, okay, what's the bad? And we figured out before it was revealed. But still, what I mean by surprise is it wasn't a Doctor Who type thing that we see often. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of a theme, though, now within the, the Chibnall series this time around. You know, we just went over the past episodes and we were talking about it last time. We wonder if we'll come back to people like Robertson, who was very corrupt and trying to achieve power. And he was the whole reason that these species of arachnids had been formed in the first place, that we had that issue. So yes, the creature is there, but the downfall, the problems really come about due to the downfalls of humanity. And I kind of knew that we were going to go into that when I saw the title of the episode and I heard that we were talking about the partition of India. This is something I knew a little about, but I was really happy to have an educational episode teach me more. They didn't give you a real lot. So if you're not familiar with this, just to kind of set the scene, the first two world wars had left Britain bankrupted and no longer able to maintain its overextended empire. Thus, they sent a message to India with a remit to end the colonial British government there, which was then known as the Raj. Their solution was the partition. This was their great idea, to create two new self-governing and independent dominions, divided based on religious lines. So they would have the eastern part of the province become India, and there would live the Hindu and Sikh, and the western part would be Pakistan, which would be the Muslims. The new borders were approved on August 17th, 1947, the day that we're looking at in this episode, and the division, which was known as the Radcliffe Line, ripped the area apart. There were mass migrations, over 14 million people displaced, riots, mob killings. It's estimated that anywhere between 200,000 to 2 million people died in the aftermath. And as we saw, very well displayed, it created violence between Hindus and Muslims who had previously coexisted peacefully for centuries. You said the Raj, so Westworld. Yeah, that's what the area was known when it was still part of the British Empire. Oh, wow. And that's why they talk about it being British colonial India, because that was before this dissolution when it was turned into two independent dominions. The situation was also particularly dangerous in the Punjab area because it had a lot of former soldiers. There was a lot of guns. We see this here, former soldiers coming up to try to take back the land. And Prem says to one of them, I know you. We fought together Mm. very recently. You know, what are you doing here? It was definitely an exercise about humans. Our ability to completely get lost on an ideology that makes you act completely different from the human that you were. Prem speaks about it often. They're just normal people who are lost now. We used to all live together for many, many years, and now one day and one rule change, and we're all different, and we're enemies. Yeah, somebody draws an arbitrary line and says, you belong on this side, you belong on that side. And it, it whipped them into a mob state, a lot of people. And that's why there were such mass migrations. Muslims that were in the India side, the eastern part of the province were frantic to get back over to the line to where they thought they would be safe and vice versa. And these newly established governments had no way of keeping order or controlling that. That's crazy. 
So this was all really beautifully done. I had a couple of minor negatives. They were basically smaller things that definitely didn't ruin the episode for me. They bookended the story with present-day Sheffield going to Yaz's house and having this little talk with her grandmother where she's giving out gifts to them and setting the stage. And she sort of says, yeah, there's a story, but I'm not telling you about that. (laughs) Which intrigues Yaz. Of course it does. And she goes and asks the doctor to take her. It it felt a little rough. A little heavy-handed. I don't know much about the actress who plays the grandmother, so someone might get mad with me saying this, but she didn't seem well-read as far as acting is concerned. That could have been delivered a lot better. She could have been a little mo- emotional about it and saying, I'm not prepared to speak about that right mm-hmm. now, or it hurts too much to talk about it. Yeah. But then again, it might be a cultural thing. It could be, but it even the way she said it was like a really obvious way to set up an intrigue. Right. And I didn't feel the emotional connection between her and Yaz that was so critical to Yaz having this burning desire to figure out what their family history was, what the truth was behind that. Now, when she went back to the past... Well, real quick, before you say that, they were trying to set that up, that emotional bit, with the grandmother handing things out and her saying, my favorite granddaughter. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I didn't feel it. Whereas when we went to the past and she met younger Umbreen, played by Amita Suman, the connection was there for me. And I did feel the two of them kind of bonding. Well, you had more time to, for sure. But yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I think I know a, a lot saying. of it was to do with the actress, though, for me, at least, how she was playing that role. Because then we do come back to the present day again by the end of the episode. And even the wrap-up felt a little strange when the grandmother asked Yaz, do you want to hear the story? As though if she said yes, she would finally tell her. And Yaz said, no, I don't, I don't really need to. Given everything we've seen Yaz go through, on her end, it makes sense. But on the grandmother's end, I was left thinking, what must she think? No, this is like kind of a bizarre series of occurrences. And furthermore, on a technical point, does she not remember having seen somebody that looked exactly like Yaz? Oh, I didn't think about that. Come in for these couple of days that were (laughs) so critical to her life. Wow, I did not think about that. How does that work? That would have been a nice, a nice little wink, wink if the grandmother, when we see her the second time, alludes to the fact that she knows. And that's why she's her favorite. That right. would have been awesome. Do you want to hear the story? Or maybe you don't need to. And yeah. Yaz is like, yeah. And then that they just kind of leave awesome. it there. That would have been so cool. Because we've never, I don't think, maybe I've forgotten, seen an episode where they go back to someone in their own timeline, but they don't mess it up. It remains the same. Right. And so we could see that unfold with... No, we haven't. And that's something I wanted to talk about with you. This was the first time that I actually thought about this. How would it feel or how amazing would it be if we were able to see our ancestors in the past? And Twitter was lit up with those same questions. They were really intrigued by that. Now, I never allowed myself to think that because the rules of time travel are always do not travel on your own timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. We saw what happened with Marty McFly. But now that we've opened that up and you allow yourself to think that, how amazing would that be? I mean, I know my grandmother grew up during the Great Depression. I know they changed their last name during Hitler's time. I know on my father's side that we're written in one of those books. 
and excuse, forgive me, I forget what island it is. Ellis Island. Ellis Island, yeah, yes. Yeah, when the immigrants came over. We are Our too. name is right there. Yep. I would have been... This is the Italian side we're both talking about, yeah. Yeah, I would have been ecstatic to, to be able to see that happening. It's, it's an adventure that you, you can now allow yourself to go on, and it's pretty fun. I think I would have been too scared. The, the way Yaz is jumping recklessly into this, and just like, I have to figure it out. I would be more like the doctor. What, I could really mess something up right now to the point that I might never exist in my own future because of what I've done here. And we've seen that again in Back to the Future. Yeah, butterfly effect. It happens over and over again. Yeah. They change something and everything else falls to shit later on. And remember the photo where Marty's brother is not there anymore? Yeah, he has to just get him disappears. Back. So I really enjoyed that, just the imagination that opened up. But on the other hand, when the doctor was discussing this, and again, I'm breaking right into our plot time, but... When the doctor's discussing it with Yaz, I'm like, the doctor would never allow that. It, yeah. So again, the whole beginning part of how this started off and Yaz saying she wanted to go, <laughs> the doctor being like, this is really risky, but I could do it. This is how <laughs> I could do it. Well, let's just do it. She played it off really well, Yeah. but it's, it's with a character we're already trying to establish and we don't have firm on her stance yet. It felt confusing to me. She's been so conscious of her human travelers and having this empathy for them. What could happen to just kind of go off on a whim like that and risk what's potentially huge ramifications? I'm not sure she would do that. Yeah, same here. But I think at this point, you and I, episode six, we're just saying, open the doors. We're not going to dwell too much on that. Let's just enjoy it. Well, they didn't either. They did it so quickly (laughs) that it was almost like, no, we're just setting the stage. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Also, though, in those moments, we got to see the TARDIS a little more. A little bit. I like that aerial shot. It actually made the TARDIS look cool. Yeah, I have been loving the way the TARDIS looks this series. There was one little thing that kind of bothered me. There's a column in the background. I think there's one on either side that looks like it moves up and down. Oh, you don't down. like that? I like that. It's very kind of cheesy. Yeah, that's the point. I like that. I didn't really like it. But again, these are our minor nitpicks. Send the hate mail to Christina. <laughs> Overall, no. Like I said, I really enjoyed the way everything was depicted here. Well, this episode actually had weight. I felt emotional during it. I felt the intensity. I felt the presence of where in history they were. I actually felt that weight this time. And that's something I believe we, we've been saying something's missing. That's one of the something that has been missing in every episode. And that's in big part due to our secondary characters and their portrayal. We already talked about Umbreen, but I particularly loved the depiction of Prem by Shane Zaza. And it, it all kind of hung on their relationship. It was a little harder for Manish, the younger brother, because he did fall into kind of this stereotyped role that he just had to be against the marriage. But it was because of that microcosm, mm. that relationship, that we were able to see how people must have been reacting yeah. at this point in time. So much needed. Yeah, I think that was a result of time. They had to kind of wedge him in there and jam it down our throat so that we would understand why he was acting this way. But if you can think about it, both his brothers, his older brothers, went off to war. All he had was this radio to find out what was going on. 
And in the meantime, this radio kind of brainwashed him of this ideology. Yeah, what I thought they could have played up just a little more was it seemed like the older brother who had died at war, Mm. he kept saying he would have understood what I'm talking about right Right. now. And if they would have stressed that relationship a little more, the fact that he had died, maybe the younger brother could have been resentful of Prem. You didn't do anything to help him. You came back and he didn't. That kind of thing, I think, would have helped to bolster how he came to this resentment of Prem over time. But anyhow, we're already into it. So let's start talking about our plot. We discussed the opening up in present-day Sheffield, Nanny Umbreen giving the gifts and not telling Yaz the whole story. This is also the first time we see the watch. I want you to have this. Thank you. Was it Grandad's? And get it fixed if you like. It must never be fixed. Why not? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Nanny, please. You won't understand. I have such stories I could tell you. And we want to hear them, really. If you don't tell us, we won't know. Your life's our heritage. When you're older, maybe. Important because it's how the doctor gets them back to 1947 India. For the first time, we learn a new piece of information about the TARDIS. It has a telepathic circuit. She says all objects amass fragmentary spatial temporal particles throughout their life, which the TARDIS can read. Well, I like the fact that they didn't feel like they had to land the TARDIS and bring Yaz to that situation. They just started it off right there. Yaz is with her family. We're, we're cool with that at this point. We don't need to see them land and then walk there. A little disappointed that I didn't get more of the father and mother and the sister because they're great together. But when the doctor puts the watch on the telepathic circuit, I immediately had a physical connection with that because my Apple watch, when I go to charge it, I put it on this circular magnet on the bottom of the face and it just, and then the face changes and it's reading. It's actually just charging, but in her case, it's reading it. So I felt like, you know, that's what it is. Your iWatch would never have worked. What I love is the idea behind objects have a history if they Mm -hmm. have stayed with you over time and amassed these kind of particles, the things that they go through that tell a story unto themselves. Somebody's wedding ring that they've worn their whole life that tells the story of the relationship between husband and wife or someone's journal that they've written in every single day and you could pop that right into the TARDIS, it would read it and say, all right, where do you want to go? Let's go back to this time. Well, thus, the TARDIS takes the group to the northern Punjab, a town outside of Lahore, and as soon as they arrive, the doctor starts getting visions in her mind. She says it's like she intercepted something. As they're walking, Prem passes by on his ox cart, and the group tells him they are family friends of Umbreen. He offers to give them a ride as the roads aren't safe right now. Back at the house, they meet the family who's preparing for the wedding of Umbreen and Prem. Yaz is confused, as Prem is a Hindu name, not Muslim, And this man is not her grandfather, yet he is wearing the watch. So she wants to stay and figure out what's going on. The doctor's nervous and the others keep reminding her, our hour's almost up. Our hour is up. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, Ryan was, specifically. Graham said it too, I think, later. It feels like they have a rule established that they've been traveling to places. No, no. This rule was established in this episode. We're going to stay for an hour, an hour only. That's what the doctor said before they stepped out. 
okay, you don't think this is an ongoing thing like those adventures we know we missed no. prior to the Saranga conundrum? No. It was specifically because they were on Yaz's timeline. Okay. We're going to stay for an hour and get out. I thought that would have been an interesting point because there, there are other things that clearly we have missed on these adventures that I'm keen to find out more of. There's a part where the doctor says, oh, that's right. I was keeping points. Mm-hmm. Like how many points each person would get for figuring yeah. something out. Or like, I just love references like that. that there's a history building, even though we're not seeing it yeah. outside of these episodes, there's more adventures and more happening. Yeah, you enjoy that because it's letting your brain fill a narrative that is probably a little more exciting than what we're well, seeing. Well, you always talk about it. When yeah. something doesn't quite make sense, you build up this whole story in your mind. I can do that too, but I need breadcrumbs right. to tell me, oh yeah, there's things happening there. Go ahead and fill your imagination in. Well, one thing that gets me is when the doctor first lands and starts walking, she gets that vision. But why did she get that vision? We never really find out. We know that these Tajarians, when they speak, they speak right into your brain and it hurts. Mm -hmm. They weren't there. So why was she getting these visions? Yeah, it seemed like they also, though, had some kind of telepathic connection And throughout the episode, what we thought were hostile attacks, them trying to abduct the group, was just them warning them, we have a job to do here and you're interfering with that. You're not meant to be in this moment in time. It's our mission to stay kind of like they did in Rosa, make sure this stuff unfolds this way and witness this death. That's what we're meant to do. So I think that was just the very first moment of that occurring. We learn the time is August 17th, 1947, the day of the partition. But yet again, there was a heavy-handed way they could have done this, where the doctor could have said, much like she did in the Rosa episode, oh, it's such and such a date. Do you know what happens on that day? It's the partition of India, blah, blah, blah. They just mention that that's what happens, and then they kind of move along. Well, what's great is the doctor did not send them there. She let the watch and the TARDIS take her. Mm Mm-hmm. So she had no idea when it was. But she does when she hears the date. Of course. She knows exactly what that means. Oh, yeah. That's when it hits. And yet they let the story tell that to us. Because we learn from getting to the house, the borders have just been announced. And Manesh urges Prem against the marriage that's about to take place, reminding him that Pakistan is for Muslims and India is for Hindus. We also get Prem despairing that his brother is a different man than the one he left before the war. So... Very quickly and in an elegant manner, we find out the larger history, but also the background of what's been going on with this family. Absolutely. And we do get to see off of the doctor's expression that this is a big deal. And right away, we start to feel the weight of this time frame. That along with the music behind and the beats of the storytelling, it keeps us enthralled and feeling the potential repercussions the entire time. So while this is happening, the doctor gets another vision of the creatures who keep appearing and disappearing. When the crew follows them into the woods, they find Bhakti has been killed. Now, this is the man they passed on the way here along the road, a sadhu or a holy man. He was coming to bless their marriage. He seemed cool, too. It's upsetting. I know. But I knew something was going to happen because before we saw him walking, Prem told the crew uh, it's dangerous to walk around here. And obviously, because that's where we get the first vision of the Thadarians, our mind is already on that train of thought. They must have killed him. This is a really big deal because he had agreed to marry a Hindu and a Muslim at a time where most others wouldn't. 
upon investigating his body, they find a dust substance on him that floats away. And the group is curious that Prem doesn't react to the creatures. You know, you should be shocked, terrified. But he says he's seen them before while at war in Singapore. When he was there, even though they were signaling evacuation, he wouldn't leave without his older brother. And he came upon the creatures standing over his dead body, but then lost them in the haze. So there's the connection to his brother. He saw his brother die and saw the creatures. And knowing what we know now, his brother was alone. Presumably, that's what they were doing there to witness his death. But it all looks very malicious. We're we're building this image (laughs) of the creatures. When the doctor continues to investigate, the sonic picks up on Cordian waves, which could mean a dormant octonic engine nearby. Don't know what that means, but they split up to check it out. The Dr. Prem and Ryan go demon hunting while Yaz and Graham go for help with Bhakti's body. Well, we forgot to say the aliens apparated. That's what it looked like. Uh, Yes, it did. But now let's talk about this. Yeah. And you and I had this open discussion while we were watching it, and I completely am on board with your thoughts. This was supposed to be Yaz's episode. At least we assumed it would be. It's about Yaz's grandmother. We're in Yaz's past timeline. But yet again... She's left with going and dealing with the minutiae while the doctor brings someone else to go battle the aliens. go on the adventure. Right. And there's a couple of things here. A, given how precarious this situation is and the doctor knows the risks, what could happen, you'd think she'd want to stop her from interacting with the family as Mm -hmm. much as possible so she doesn't make a mistake. So send Graham with the family but keep Yaz by your side to make sure she doesn't make any kind of mistakes to mess up the timeline. Absolutely. Or leave. There are several times where the doctor's trying to pull her out and get her to leave, and for whatever reason, she keeps not doing it. Well, the first reason was, oh, there's aliens here. Now I'm supposed to be here. Right. Before we even knew that, though, she was acknowledging this is an issue and they should be getting out, and yet keeps yielding to Yaz's desire to stay and find out the truth. And then later, when Yaz herself is saying, I thought we weren't supposed to be interfering with this, helping a wedding to take place. And the doctor's like, yeah, just a little though. Mm-hmm. Just, we'll just do a little. It doesn't really totally make sense. And as far as the depictions of Yaz, the critics have said if there's one drawback to this episode, similar to Rosa, where our heroes have to abide by the rule of not interfering, it's that Yaz ends up as something of a non-participant. True, we learn plenty about her family, but once again, we fail to see that family used as a lens through which we learn more about Yaz. Her heart-to-heart with Graham was very much appreciated, but we're left to wonder, who is Yasmin Khan? What are her drives and her fears, her strongest qualities and her shortcomings? And it's true. Mm -hmm. Through the character development between Ryan and Graham, we have been getting some of that. Who are these people outside of the adventures with the Doctor? Yet two episodes that were supposed to be Yaz-centric failed to really deliver that to us on a deeper level. Who is she? And I'm confused at the way they're addressing her character. We learn a lot about her family, a lot about her history. It's very interesting. And yet somehow she feels like a supporting character in this episode. And this scene does end with the doctor's warning to her. Tread softly. You're treading on your own history. Off demon hunting... A transmat doorway transports the Dr. Prem and Ryan inside a ship where they locate a craft spec. 
It gives them species data, bio ID, and the doctor explains it is a Fajarian hive. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Fajarians are assassins. Right, so that's basically a bad thing then. I've heard about them never come across them. They're one of the ancient species, evolved themselves into the deadliest assassins in the known universe. As they're talking, a container rises up out of the center of the ship, a canister holding the same substance that was seen on Bhakti's body. Then the creatures themselves appear. The doctor tells them to leave, but they say that she can't prevent what's about to happen, and they are transported back to the forest where the doctor starts stealing all of their transmat locks. So the doctor transports the crew and says, run, and then finally the doctor transports. That's how I read it. It seemed to me that the Fajarian kicked them off the ship, sent them back into the forest because the doctor was trying to tell them to get out. And they told her, no, you're the ones that have to leave. You're interfering and you can't prevent what's about to happen here. And it seemed like they threw her back out into the forest. But then she starts running around stealing their locks so that they can't. Oh, so I read it differently because I think she saw the locks, realized how this was happening, how they were operating, had her crew leave, steal the stuff, and then she left on her own. That's how I got it, which would make more sense to me. Well, it could have gone either way, I guess. I think the big point is that she does realize that these locks are the key to that. And we find out what her plan is by stealing all of them to try to create a safe area within the barn where they can't enter, at least for a little bit of time. While this is happening, Yaz is back at the house and she's very upset. She's talking to Graham. She tells him she thinks her grandmother lied to her by not filling her in on all the events that happened here. This is one of a few moments where Graham gets to really shine. It shows that even with a small space of time, they can do a lot for character development because it's happening really well for him, I think. He encourages Yaz to look at the situation differently, to try to just enjoy the moment of getting to be with her grandmother and she can figure out the rest later. Yeah, that was very touching and leave it to Graham every time to have something very well thought out and very meaningful. He doesn't need that much screen time because the screen time he's given, he takes full advantage of. Yeah, and not only impactful in his portrayal and the emotions, but it teaches us, like we were just saying, about his background. The things he's clearly been through in life that have turned into this advice he's now giving to others. So without him having to do a bunch of exposition and say, back when I was this, that, and the other, we just get to know him. And I think that we're getting some of that with Ryan. He got a little lost in this episode. We could use a little more and definitely more on Yaz. And so inside the barn, the doctor sets up this area with the transmat locks that should keep out the Thajarians for about 12 hours. This way, Prem and Umbreen can get married. Privately, she tells Yaz they can't leave now, otherwise her whole timeline could be erased. But when she tries to scan the substance inside the chamber, it overloads her sonic. She'll have to figure it out on her own. The group assists her in gathering a bunch of random supplies to rig a scientific experiment that should be able to tell them the breakdown of the substance, but it will take several hours. While they wait to learn about the experiment, Umbreen has them come back to the house to prepare for the wedding. She tells the women that she has known Prem their whole lives. Their families have worked beside each other for generations. She was afraid while he was at war, but is glad the day has finally come for them to get married. Her mother, though, is trying to warn them. They might not be able to stay here. 
she says it's not too late. She can still find her a good Muslim man. They don't even have a priest. That's when Umbreen asks the doctor to officiate. And she says, in true doctor fashion, I haven't officiated a wedding since Einstein. His parents didn't approve either. So, fun fact, we're not sure which marriage it is she's talking about. Einstein actually married twice. Once in 1903 to Maleva. And we learned about this from the show that we watched. Genius. Yes, which is great. But they divorced five years later, and he married his first cousin, Elsa Lowenthal. Marriage! In another area, we also get to see the men together. I think they're playing a card game or something. Yet again, Manesh is angry with Prem, saying their older brother, Kunal, would have understood, and urging him not to marry Umbreen, saying India is not her home anymore. And finally, the doctor returns to her experiment to learn the results are numerous. There are many different chemical materials, billions of DNA fragments, and more. When the locks give out, the doctor is transported back inside the Thajarian ship, and they explain to her they aren't assassins anymore. Now they are witnesses who honor the lost. As the assassins hunted, the Thajarian world was destroyed. What's in the canister is all that remains of their home and their people, all one dust. She was about to take that. Mm -hmm. They died unwitnessed, unsaved. They were too late to grieve or honor them. Thus now, they travel beyond, seeking the unacknowledged dead across all of time and space, to bear witness to those alone, to honor life as it passes. This is their new mission. And they know millions will perish here soon, because they've read the time waves. They show her that Prem's time is also soon. So, teaching moment, even though they look scary, and yes, they were at once assassins, but don't judge a book by its cover, meaning, if anyone saw you in the morning... <laughs> They would think you were an evil, evil woman. I look like a Thajarian. <laughs> In reality, you're not that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. The doctor returns to the group to tell them she knows what will happen here and they can't change anything. But Yaz wants to stay anyway and look after her nanny and the rest agree. Amidst reports of violence and burning villages, Ryan and Graham help Prem get dressed for the wedding. Prem thinks there is nothing worse than when normal people lose their minds. Who's doing this stuff? Ordinary people who've lived here all their lives. Whipped into a frenzy to be part of a mob. There's nothing worse than when normal people lose their minds. We've lived together for decades. Hindu, Muslim and Sikh. And now we're being told our differences are more important than what unites us. Like we learned nothing in the war. I don't know how we protect people when hatred's coming from all sides. Well, all we can strive to be is good men. And as he's discussing this mob mentality, Graham has his second moment of the episode really touching. And he kind of tears up as he puts his hand on Prem's shoulder. Very touching moment and a really good speech by Prem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought his acting was great. And we finally get the wedding. The doctor officiates as Umbreen ties their hands together with a rope, thus honoring the Hindu traditions. The doctor says love in all its forms is the most powerful weapon we have because love is a form of hope and love abides in the face of everything. It's really sweet. She's just sort of speaking from her heart what she believes in. Yeah, and it was a beautiful wedding too. 
but it's clear she has no idea how to actually officiate because then she goes, well, I don't really know what comes next. How do we end this thing? But we also get the reverse during the celebration after Prem gives the watch to Umbreen, honoring a Muslim tradition. However, it drops and breaks, and Umbreen says it's a mark of their time together now. Umbreen seems to be saying that often. It's cursed. This relationship is cursed. No, I think here she was saying the opposite of that. She was looking for the positive. It's okay that the watch is broke because now this will forever mark the moment you and I were wed. Oh, apologies. Yes, I thought that was beautiful. It was like the watch is no longer ticking. This is the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. I meant the mother. Oh, the mother is definitely kind of the bearer of bad news throughout yeah. the episode. I mean, Manesh is being openly hostile about it, but she's just constantly putting in her two cents. I don't think this is going to work out very well. Right. But yeah, you're right. That was a beautiful moment to see the glass half full, to really see the glass half full. And more than that, she gives some touching words, really trying to bring Manesh into the ceremony and saying, it's thanks to him that they have everything that they do now. And it was a nice poem. It rhymed. It was very heartfelt. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work, unfortunately. He says they have no idea what's coming and storms out where he goes to retrieve his gun from inside and admits he has led men here to help take the land. The doctor warns Prem that Manesh is the one that killed Bhakti, and if they stay here, they will all die. So Prem tells the women to pack their things and go ahead of him into the forest. He will stay to distract his brother and then meet them there. But, you know, it's clearly obvious that he's going to sacrifice himself. I think on some level Umbreen knows that too. And we get this pivotal scene where in a standoff outside, Prem tries to talk sense to his brother, but he won't listen. The creatures appear and tell the doctor they will watch over him now. And as the crew turns to leave, they hear the gunshot. A very moving scene. And we got to see the doctor's face when the gun goes off. I thought it was beautifully acted and beautifully written. Yeah, Prem was just trying to speak very honestly. He let every emotion show within him. I don't understand how we've come to this point. You're supposed to be my brother just because an arbitrary line was drawn today. That doesn't change anything. We even see one tear just come sliding down the side of his face. So it was really poignant. It's unfortunate they weren't able to change anything. It's like the same events of Rosa, but instead of ending on a kind of triumphant note, well, they preserved history so it could go on to change things in the future. We have to let this innocent man die. Because otherwise, Yaz will have never existed. And finally, we have this bookend we talked about where they return to present-day Sheffield and Yaz goes to speak to her grandmother. You can tell she's really asking, did you love her grandfather? Because Mm -hmm. after everything, it was so clear she had this kind of -of one-of-a-kind bond with Prem. And she's wondering if it was worth it. She just can't believe everything she's been through. And her nanny tells her that while Sheffield wasn't as exotic as she originally thought, it did give her stability, a life, a home, and a family. Very touching, but I still love your ending better. (laughs) Yeah, I can't stop thinking about it now. It feels like a glaring point, and I wonder if there's an explanation to... No, there's not. Do they erase the memories of them ever existing? (laughs) (laughs) But that's going to wrap up our plot and take us into our rating for the episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, Jason, what do you give Demons of the Punjab? Well, as the Clatchers probably already know, this is one of my favorite episodes, you as well. 
I'm going to go with 8.6 Sonics. It was a heavy episode, beautiful visuals, a really scary bad guy, quote unquote, a moving family moment, a historical moment that I was not aware of, Mm. and a great setting. There wasn't the humor that we normally get, but I didn't miss it this time. So 8.6 Sonics, which is the second highest for me this season. Well, I liked it even better than episode four, Arachnids in the UK, which I gave an 8.8. So I'm going to give this a nine Sonics, my highest so far. Which puts you somewhere in between IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, they've been really down on the past three episodes where I have kind of enjoyed the past three more than the first half of the season. So I feel like we (laughs) flip-flopped. Well, it looks like IMDb has been going down gradually, except for the last one. Yeah, but you can see there's a clear jump. Rosa, they gave a 7.9, and then they've been down in the sixes and low sevens ever since. And Rotten Tomatoes went from the mid-90s to an 89, an 87, and now here, thankfully, back up to a 94. And on to our Clatchers segment via Twitter at CKC Podcast. We asked our Clatchers, who is your most valuable companion? This week, we gave you Yaz... The Thajarian, Prem, and Unbreen. Coming in fourth place with 0% were the Thajarian. Well, we put them in. Obviously, they're not a companion, but they were one of the most compelling bad guys that we've gotten this season. Yeah, it turned out they really weren't bad guys. Not anymore, anyhow. The work that they're doing here just speaks to me on a larger level of these traumas, these tragic events, and how much more tragic it is when a good man like Prem dies, and there's nobody there to witness that, to honor the loss. Beautifully said. Third place, with 28%, is Unbreen. Strong woman, very beautiful, strong-willed. They're really positive in the face of everything, all the adversity, and it's not as though they were being unrealistically optimistic. They knew exactly what was coming, But the two of them, and especially Umbreen, just said, what do we have left if we don't have this? We we have to show that it doesn't matter. It's still important to us that we want to honor our love and get married while we can. And the value of the watch that she gives Yaz is so much more now. Absolutely. And don't you dare fix it. Well, coming in a close second place with 29%, just 1% more is Prem. And I could see, you know, feeling equal love for the two of them. I think that Prem's moments were a little more intense. He really had to stand up for what he believed in to the fullest extent that he sacrificed himself by the end and at the hands of his own brother. And first place with 43% is Yaz. Oh, I'm I'm a little shocked, to be honest with you. Uh, It was certainly supposed to be her episode and revolved around her family, this journey she wanted to go on, her grandmother... And yet we spoke about how on a personal level, I don't feel that I got a ton more development on who Yaz really is. I'm with you, but one could argue that we've learned the value she has in family. Mm -hmm. She was willing to risk everything to make sure that her grandmother stays alive in this. And again, then it was bookended with the love for her grandmother. So Maybe one could argue that we've learned one of her major values is family. Yeah, it reinforced that. I think I kind of already knew that from the Arachnids in the UK episode and how she responded to her mother, but certainly that is one major aspect of who Yaz is. I'm just wondering, what about all the rest, you know? I think that 
Very clearly, one of the biggest struggles in this Doctor Who series is maintaining the balance with three companions. Every episode, somebody has to kind of get shifted to the back burner. So Ryan had almost nothing to do in this episode. It wasn't that glaring. It was fine. He sort of faded into the background, but they are having difficulty finding out how to... It's, It's a lot. ...make us connect with and understand all of them. Michelle wrote, Beautiful episode, powerful and emotional. She also said, I just wanted to let you know my thoughts on Doctor Who. Although light on sci-fi, I absolutely loved the episode. It's part of history which I previously knew nothing about, and there were also themes which fit Armistice Day so well. The Doctor showed compassion and strength, and the supporting cast were excellent. Turning an alien species, from assassins to those who honor the dying, was done so well, and I admit to finding the ending rather emotional. Hoped you two loved it too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Spot on, Michelle. And one of those Wesleys wrote in to say, Enjoyed Umbreen. At first, I thought she was being a bossy grandma <laughs> because of her age. But later, we found out she was always assertive. When she saw the doctor's anti-demon rig in the barn, Umbreen said, That will be gone by tomorrow. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Very assertive woman. That was my grandma, too. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've gone through things, and you've seen Unbreen has gone through things that we couldn't even fathom. My grandmother has gone through things that I can't even fathom during the Depression. I remember when I was young, quick sideline, my grandmother was babysitting me, and we were going to take a bath. She drew my bath, and it was an inch of water. <laughs> so we're used to taking a bath where your, your whole body is covered with water. But she grew up in a Depression where water was limited. So she still took baths with an inch <laughs> of water. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked how she just always focused on what would come next and enjoying being in the present and what they had right now. I mean, when we find out how she finally came to Sheffield, turns out that her father brought home a map. She closed her eyes and put her finger somewhere on there and said, well, that's where we're going to go. Very imaginative and very awesome. Very Doctor Who-ish. Graham even urges Yaz later to understand Your parents, your grandparents had a life before they became your parents and your grandparents. You know, all of these things that they had to go through. And sometimes there's a reason why they don't share that full history with you. So that was another teaching moment for the episode. Well, Jason, that's going to bring us to our MVC. You go first this time. (laughs) I really wanted to give it to the Thajarian because I can so appreciate what they're doing here and the importance of it. But they didn't actually get to do a lot in this episode. They were once assassins. And after seeing everything that happened, the character of Prem, in the face of everything, just remaining true to who he was, it's exactly what Graham said, that it's easy to be a good person when things are easy. But in the face of all of this adversity, this hatred and anger, that's when it's hard to really stand up And remain true to your values. Those are the kind of situations that show you the type of person you actually are. And he does it right up until his very last moment. So I have to give it to Prem. Shouldn't have let you go first because (laughs) I as well will go with Prem. He stood up for what he believed in. He sacrificed himself. He had a great speech. Amidst the hate, he still found some reasoning. They're normal people who are lost. Mm -hmm. There's no hate in that heart. Yeah, we can see why Umbreen loved him so much, right? Absolutely. So that wraps up this episode. Just a quickie reminder, we have a busy Patreon schedule. If you guys are interested, we have so much going on over there. 
head on over to coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on Patreon. We just released Bohemian Rhapsody. It was a great and fun podcast. There will be a bonus coming out soon about the true history of Thanksgiving. That's this weekend, yeah. And another movie review cast later this month on Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. It's going to be fun. Join the crew. Have some fun with us. Also, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a rate and review on iTunes. Just a couple of words helps and lets others continue to find us. There's been so many changes. This is a new series of Doctor Who. People are still getting into it. So we would really appreciate any reviews on the Doctor Who specific channel. And a quick RIP to Stan Lee. He passed away today, but his stories will live on forever. And so we close out episode six, nothing but to get into spoilers. If you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review episode seven. Spoilers! For those of you still here, it's a really short section this week. We already talked about the similarities between the Thajarian and some other characters we've seen before, such as the Testimony. This is also not the first time that we've visited India. The Tenth Doctor was also here during the partition in the episode Ghosts of India. Also, the Doctor refers to the dangers of going back in time to observe family members, possibly referring to the Father's Day episode. She remarks that she loves weddings. Of course, the 10th and 11th incarnation had similar opinions quite a few episodes, including The Runaway Bride, The Big Bang, Let's Kill Hitler. Although the 10th Doctor remarked he was rubbish at his own, quote unquote, the episode blank. So just the constant callbacks and kind of referring to similar things that have happened over the course of Doctor Who history. It's nice to have callbacks. <laughs> we also got some information about our next episode, Seven Kerblam. Kerblam! Kind of a weird title. Um, it says a mysterious message arrives in a package addressed to the Doctor, leading her and her companions to investigate the warehouse moon orbiting Kandoka and the home of the galaxy's largest retailer, Kerblam. You know, this one looks like one of those funny and fun episodes, just based off the little bit that they showed us. This past episode went longer than an hour, so their preview was super short, but it looked fun, and I think her blam is a little wink-wink to Amazon. Yes, could definitely be. Also, there's been a side note listed under several different episode slots. It's been changing, and I wonder if they didn't know where Kerblam was going to end up in the lineup, but it looks like it's intended for this one. It says it's created entirely with CGI, the world that we're going to see. Fun. And it would make sense given the description. Sounds like a good time. So that wraps it up for us. Don't forget to hug your grandma. And until next week, this round's on me. This round is on me. Try again.